This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Brialu, Paul Calvisi, and nine-year NFL veteran Rob Fredrickson. So considering what just happened in Tennessee, what may happen in New England, let me just say I am glad not to be those teams looking for a head coach and maybe even a general manager this offseason. Maybe not as busy, just as important, but certainly not as busy as a year ago as we are day two into the Arizona Cardinals offseason. Cardinals on Sunday losing at home at State Farm Stadium to the Seattle Seahawks 21-20 to to put an end to a 4-13 and season. Second straight year in which this Cardinals team finished 4-13. and But as we've talked about, and I believe, Rob, we even talked about it on Cardinal Talk, 4-13 and after 2022 versus 4-13 and after 2023. Yeah, much different feeling, not only amongst us, the players, but even the fan base as well. I think so. A 180-degree shift in terms of, of your thoughts coming out of the season. Uh, there's so much to be looking forward to this year. I think uh, when you talk about the, the 2023 season and um, you know the, the way the offense especially, it, it, as, as I look at it, the way the offense has played the last few weeks, um, you know, Kyler and, and he's getting comfortable with this offense and, and the running game. And um, there's, so there's so many things to look forward to. Obviously, we have uh, free agency coming up and the draft coming up. Monty Osifor is going to be busy. Uh, trying to retool and constantly trying to rebuild this this roster. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's reason for optimism. I mean, Craig, let's be honest. It, it feels good to have a direction, right? Feels good to have a foundation laid. Feels good to look at a team like Carolina with two wins and they took the wrong quarterback and they gave up their first-round pick and they're currently interviewing nine different head coaching candidates and eight different GM candidates, right? I mean, it's 52-card pickup with David Tepper and that franchise. So, yeah, it feels good to have a leg up on next season. And I firmly believe, you know, it wasn't just some joke, the marketing mantra, 2023 dip for a 2024 rip. You, believe, you listen to a lot of those players, and they'll tell you unprompted in that locker room that they feel that's where this team and the course and the direction is tracking towards next season, especially with all the picks and some of the uh, cap flexibility and free agency, et cetera. So, yeah, you, you feel good about where this is going because there's not nearly as many questions that have to be answered, like big picture, big questions like you did a year ago. You had the general manager. You had the head coach. Hopefully retain, if not all, most of your coaching staff. And then there are building blocks, pieces on offense, even on defense and special teams, to where maybe a year ago, Paul, it was a total teardown or figure out who was going to stay, who was not going to stay. And now the foundation has been laid, and now you can build on what the Cardinals did in 2023. And really, those are the two key words, what and who. 
And Jonathan Gannon said as much after the game, said it again on Monday, summing up the season. We had to figure out what we want to be, or at least instill what we want to be, and who's going with us. And it was a process, even up till the Friday before the season finale, where Kevin Strong was cut. There are those who are part of the solution. There are those who are deemed part of the problem. And those who weren't on board, guess what? They're not going forward with this team. So you had to figure that out. But in terms of this season, I mean, there's a couple of things you feel good about, at least to me. And one of them is how many times at the end of a game the opponent said, we got out physical. We got our butts kicked. So I think there's an attitude. There's an expectation for physicality that was established. And you may not have the most talented roster. You're not going to have the most talented roster most years in the league. But you can bring a brand of football that's going to be tough to compete against. And I think they instilled that much. Playing for a full 60 minutes, even late in the season, when the season has gone sideways, there is no postseason play for the Arizona Cardinals. And Rob, as a former player, I'm sure you've been in locker rooms where, yeah, you already have an eye, maybe both eyes on the offseason, vacation plans. But are you bringing it on Sunday? And I do think this Cardinals team, regardless of the talent who was out there, they brought it each and every week, and they were not going to go down without a fight. Yeah, now I think that was the biggest change year over year is, is really the, when you talk about that culture shift, it's about setting a standard and then holding guys accountable to that standard. And, and, um, and it's not just uh, the coaches cracking the whip and, and uh, the, the players obeying, it's, it's players holding each other accountable. And you never, um, you know, even though the Cardinals roster-wise, they may have been outmatched several times this season, they were in virtually every game save maybe Cleveland, um, it, it just felt like they, they had an opportunity going into that fourth quarter in virtually every game this season to do something, to, to, to if not win, to, to make it close. And, and um, they never quit. And that's something that um, you can carry on year over year, and that's something they're going to build on going into 2024. Yeah. I, Rob, I can't help but think of the, your, one of my favorite stories you tell. Which team was it? Was it the 94 Raiders, the 95 Raiders? You guys started like 6-2, and 8-2? and two? Eight and two, yeah. It was the '95 Raiders, '95 uh, Raiders, and we and we lost uh, the last six games. Last yeah. six. <laughs> and you came into the parking lot for the season finale with the playoffs on the line. And and what and what did you see out there? Yeah, and, well, guys had like U-Hauls packed up. <laughs> they were they were ready. They were already they were already packed up, ready to go. I come said, on. I said, oh, we've lost this game already. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Guys were all ready to just clean everything out and hit the road. They had already cleared out their apartments and their condos, and they pulled into the season finale fully expecting the season was going to end that day when a win gets you in. Come the on. difference between your 95 Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals in 2023, we heard Jonathan Gannon as he addressed the media on Monday, Kyler Murray working out on Monday. A lot of players post-game talking about the excitement that they have for next season and yeah everyone needs a break but there is a feeling hey wish we could play next week obviously that's not going to happen we have to wait until September the message though that JG gave to his team after that 21-20 loss to the Seahawks I said you know I'm down we didn't win and um, we've been through a lot of adversity this year but I've never been more enthused going into an offseason we found a lot about out who we are and who's going to be a part of this thing and uh I'm just really excited to get to the offseason and grow and improve and learn. And and as I told them, get on the warpath in 2024. Here we come. That was Gannon postgame on Monday, Rob. He acknowledged, yes, 
2023 not good enough and he's looking at it the wins and losses as every coach does yet there was a little bit of an eye towards what they have established you talked about the standard the accountability so as a coach it's that balance yeah four wins absolutely not good enough yet at the same time you do have to feel good about whether this team is going the direction that Monty Austin Ford has pointed this team and then having Gannon and company lead the rest of the group. Here's what you got to be most excited about as a fan, uh, as a player, as, as anyone involved with this organization. You have your quarterback figured out. You just got a sliver of Kyler Murray this year in this offense. And I, and I think, you know, it's, it's been a learning process for Drew Petzing and, um, you know, how to call plays, what plays work, and um, how, how does Kyler fit. And uh, the last few weeks, few weeks you, you saw Kyler evolving and getting better and and uh, this offense gelling and the run game really uh, you know having an identity so if you're not excited about that going into the offseason where you don't have to start over at that position you that that can be a, a two or three year endeavor you don't have to do that now now we can build that moat around the castle of Kyler Murray and focus on some some areas of need in terms of this roster: the offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, edge, cornerback. These are things that we can now, you know, utilize some of that that draft capital and and get after it. I mean, everything that was said after the Philly win, I, I wrote a lot of it down because it to me it really stood out. To Rob's point, Kyler Murray saying, "You know what? The game is slowed down, but I'm playing fast." Jonathan Gannon saying, you know what, against the Eagles, he played really fast without being sped up. The game was slow to him, but he was quick in his decision-making. Kyler saying, you know what, I got in a rhythm against the Eagles. It felt right. It just seemed like at some point late in the season of these last two, three games, he had a bit of an epiphany in the scheme itself. He was operating from the pocket much cleaner. Teams always try and keep him in the pocket. So you got to be Kurt Warner talks about it all the time. You can have all the athleticism in the world still comes down to winning from the pocket. Israel Wolfolk telling us on the Friday before the season finale that Kyler was checking into a lot of plays. They were giving him a lot of flexibility at the line of scrimmage. It seemed like Kyler was dictating to the defense instead of the other way around. Well, and he's coming off one of his better games on Sunday in which he had his season highs in passing yards and yards per attempt. You want to see that passing game now evolve, and yeah, he's going to need some more weapons along that. Not on the offensive line. You can develop depth there, but as far as who he's throwing to as far as the wide receiver position is concerned. But yeah, figuring out your quarterback, to your point, Rob, that was, if not the biggest question, one of the biggest questions here in 2023 so there is a belief in Kyler Murray and maybe more importantly there is a belief that Kyler has in what this team is doing as he talked about post game yes in a sense there is a lot to look forward to and um you know I'm excited about it you know I know the guys are excited about it trust and believe in Monty and JG and what you know what they got going and what they're building here it's complete 180 you know and um I'm happy man I'm happy uh happy in the position that we're in he also added, I'm very confident in what we've got going. And if you don't have buy-in from your locker room, but if you don't have buy-in from the quarterback specifically, Rob, that's where I think there is that upward trajectory that everyone can see and now expect to continue moving up. Is it, yeah, is it, is it any coincidence the, the change in Kyler Murray? Everyone talks about how mature he is and how, how much he's grown um, and his body language is different now. 
um, and and that kind of coincided with the with the bringing in of Jonathan Gannon and and this new coaching staff and this new kind of breath of fresh air, as as Kyler Murray said, it was refreshing. Um, you, you can see it, and, and Kyler is a different person. There's there's times um, the pick six uh, last week against uh, Philadelphia that that would have um, you know that would have sent Kyler completely into a tailspin, and it didn't. And he was able to, you know, uh, come back and bring the offense back. So there's, there's so many uh, instances where in years past, Kyler would have been a, a completely different person. And look, the whole team feeds off the quarterback. And, and the way he acts and, and comports himself, um, it's just been so much better. And to Kyler's point, it's been refreshing. You know, it's interesting. Both Rob and Kyle Vandenbosch both cited that. Kyler's reaction after the 99-yard pick six and I think if you even go back to the Houston game, the close loss against C.J. Stroud in Houston, and there were some plays that didn't go the Cardinals' way, and there was some adversity, and you know Kyler was on the sideline, and and um, you know he's pretty frustrated. Let's put it that way. So I think he grew even over the course of the last month of the season in that regard. And whether he realized it, whether the coaches made it abundantly clear, the rest of the team sees that. The rest of the team feeds off that, whether it's positive or negative energy. And Jonathan Gannon had a great question in one of his last episodes of his TV show, Game Plan, just about how he views Kyler as an extension of himself between the white lines. And I think they've had a lot of time to talk about what Kyler's you know, behavior and how he acts out beyond that field and how everyone is not only watching him but feeding off that and it trickles down. And so, yeah, I think there was improvement in that category. Less X's and O's conversation between the head coach and quarterback. That's reserved for the offensive coordinator, something when Kyler first entered the league, he didn't have that. The head coach was also the offensive coordinator. There wasn't that separation. Speaking of the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, year one as a head coach, yes, not enough wins. But overall, how would he evaluate his first season on the job? I'm a pretty bottom line guy, so not good enough, truthfully, 4-13. and 13. But what we set out to do to get ourselves operating in a way that I think is fit to win football games week in and week out, I think we did that. I think that the players, the, the message and the standard and things that we talked about and hung our hat on, I think it got through and they kind of carried that throughout the year. But a lot of improvement needs to be made. A lot of the stuff that we heard from Gannon all season long, Paul, was team before you. And you thought, okay, that's the new head coach and it's cliche and okay, that's what. But there was a lot of buy-in. And I think you saw a lot of those players in the locker room. Yeah, individually you want to do well, but are we winning as a team, as a group? And again, wins and losses on the paper, but wins and losses as far as where this team moves forward, and I think you're seeing more of that. Yeah, and if you weren't on board, you weren't on the roster. And we saw that. They, they made moves, and they were looking for players who are ultra-serious about the game of football. And I, and I think that accountability trickled down through the locker room to the point where our final post-game radio interview with Michael Wilson, he cited his two games where he didn't have a single catch. He came back from the injury, didn't have a single catch, and he put it on himself. He said... I didn't do a good enough job in coming back and earning the trust of Kyler Murray and getting open and having that communication with him and to be in the right place at the right time. So you like to see that, right? When guys are holding themselves accountable first. And that was more the norm than the exception this year. No finger pointing in that locker room amongst the coaches, amongst the front office. It's all headed in one direction. And yeah, now the expectation is 
that 2024 is a much better season, dare I say a playoff season. Speaking of next season, join the Arizona Cardinals season ticket priority list today. 2024 opponents include the Bears, Chargers, Patriots, Jets, Lions, Commanders, and of course the NFC West. For more information, go to azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. That's azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. One player we have not brought up, but we're going to spend the next segment talking all about him, James Conner. Maybe your MVP, or at least the best offensive player this season, what Conner did in just 13 games. That's coming up next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. down and 10 at the 29 of Seattle. Murray under center. Three tight ends, one right, two left. Murray takes, turns, handoff Connor sprinting to his left, finds some room at the 20, at the 15, loses the 10, and into the end zone for the touchdown. James Connor from 29 yards out. That drive was all about James Connor, and they're a point away from tying the game. When you hammer the box, there's going to be a leak. And that was a huge leak from the Seattle Seahawks box. And James Conner punctuated and stuck it. Earlier in that drive, you heard Pash mention it was all James Conner. Conner had a 34-yard catch and run on that drive. Overall on Sunday, James Conner with his second best total yards from scrimmage, 204 on 31 touches, James Conner getting that 1,000-yard mark for the season, and that was a big deal. As we continue here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network, it is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And there was a sense, Rob, going into that game on Sunday that, yeah, you want to finish with a win, maybe even knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs that had already been done earlier on Sunday after the Packers beat the Bears, but individually, could you get James Conner the 110 yards he needed, finish with 150, and it wasn't just Conner. It was Jonathan Gannon wanted to see it. The offensive line wanted to see it. Heck, everyone in that locker room and involved with the Cardinals wanted to see James Conner, not because of the milestone, but more because of the person that, hey, he deserves this on Sunday. Yeah, it's you know it's a it's a great milestone. I don't, I'm I'm not sure, um, you know it's it's a recognition. Put it that, that way. It's 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 basically recognition and confirmation of of what they're doing is the right thing and what James Conner is all about. Obviously, um, he's he's been a, a great asset to this team and and to this league, and you know it's. What the what the offense is doing and the importance and the what they've done offensively in terms of the running game and the importance of that, um, to me, it's it's just confirmation of that. And um, you know he's had a great season and the offensive line deserves a lot of credit as well. He hit 1,000 rushing yards for the season on a 26-yard run in the third quarter. Paul, you have the best vantage point of that. The reaction on the sideline that maybe cameras did not capture because, yeah, everyone knows. I mean, you can't hide some of that stuff from players even during the course of a game. Someone's down there or someone's upstairs relaying downstairs, hey, by the way, that did it. He's got a 1,000. 
Well, uh, not to point to yours truly, but uh, I yelled it out <laughs> because Pash was right on it. I mean, Pash, look, he hit a thousand exactly at that point, and Dave Pash, I mean, just the top three play-by-play guy on the planet that he is, he nailed it on that run, and I shouted it out, and a bunch of the guys immediately turned around. Really? That was it? And I'm like, "Yep, there it is, one thousand." And so you could tell it was meaningful to that sideline. They wanted to get it for a team captain. I mean, a guy they all feed off just sets, look, he's more than a player. He's a mindset. He's a mentality. I think part of this season, a big part of this season, and a few guys confirm as much, the coaches needed to learn the strong suits of the players. And Michael Wilson said as much afterwards. It was a process. And I think once they realized what they had in James Conner, his ability to break that initial tackle, how many runs did he have? Should have been losses. There were significant gains. And then just what it did for the rest of the team and sort of that physicality that he would establish and then guys would feed off that. So I think they learned, all right, you know what? We're a much better team when we're feeding James Conner. And they didn't give up as easily as they did earlier in the year. There were games where he was stymied initially and they sort of went to the pass game and you saw him spread it out and a lot of Kyler in the gun. The last month of the season, not nearly as much. And most of his yards came in the second half. And how many times the guys say, and they said it on the Big Red Rage, Trey McBride, Will Hernandez, absolutely we wore defenses down in the third and fourth quarter. And that's where James Conner was really able to eat. 55 rushing yards in the first half, 95 in the second half, and more importantly, getting 1,000 for the season. Kyler Murray on James Conner hitting that milestone. Yeah, I didn't even know it until, you know, just just a second ago. But, you know, if he didn't get hurt, he, he would have, you know, he would have killed that. So, Man, James, James, like one of the best players I've ever played with. Love going to war with him. Can't really say much, you know, say much more about him. I mean, the dude's, the dude's, uh, he's a beast. And keep in mind, he missed four games talking about James Conner. And actually, it was more than four games. It was four and a half because he got hurt early in that Bengals game. And Kyler's right. If James Conner doesn't get hurt, what is that yardage total? What does he do? not only running the football, but catching the football, and what does it mean for this offense overall? Because I do think that's the one thing we did learn is this is a run-first offense. The, the play he got hurt on was the 35-yard run, yeah. right? Where he broke free, got to the second level, racing down the near sideline against the Bengals, and then he got launched into the air. And was, he got back up. He seemed yeah. to be fine, and all of a sudden you find out yeah. he's on IR. Right. But that was just a ridiculous run itself, the very play he got injured on. And he was tracking to have a huge game against the Bengals. This turns out to be the best season of his career. And I know kind of get up there in age as far as the running back is concerned, that position. But I don't see James Conner slowing down much. He takes very good care of himself. And I think this team takes good care of him as far as the role within this offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him slowing down, but what I do see is his running style is more patient than maybe it has been in the past. And and um, I think back to his time in Pittsburgh and, and probably the the most patient runner of all time and, and his time spent watching uh, Le'Veon Bell. And, and really, you know, players, when they're in those meeting rooms and watching film, they watch their, their teammates. They watch everything. They watch everything they do and how they do it. And um, maybe some of that is has rubbed off on, on uh, James Conner because he does such a good job of allowing, especially when the Cardinals are running those pin-and-pull technique-style uh, blocking schemes, does such a good job of setting up those blocks and finding the hole. 
Um, and that, t- that requires patience. It's very easy for a running back to gra- get the ball and, and just run as, as fast as they can downhill where they think the hole is going to be, and invariably it's not. Um, but but to, to allow those blocks to develop and set up, uh, James Conner is, is, has done that this year, and when it's not there, he bounces it outside, and it, he's able to, to gain some, some good yardage. So I'm, I'm really impressed with what he's done this season, um, and, and the future looks bright for this running game. Connor averaged five yards a carry. The Cardinals as a team averaged five yards a carry. The run game overall, fourth best in the league as far as yards per game, second yards per play. The run game. Here's head coach Jonathan Gannon. Obviously it starts with the O-line, but then teams are going to have to play us a little differently when the quarterback's back there. So I thought that you know all 10 guys not carrying it did their job in the run game. Obviously, James and Mike and Amari did a good job. James was lights out. Um, and it's it's we're going to use this springboard into 2024. I know that. And this is a running back room that is set for next season. James mm-hmm. Conner's under contract. Michael Carter is under contract. Year two for the undrafted Imari DiMercato. So there's three running backs right there. And as Gannon said, yeah, you have an offensive line as well. But you got five guys, seven guys this season, really, as far as that really opened up the holes for either one of those running backs. And I throw Kyler Murray into the running back room, right? 33-yard run in that season finale, keeping the defense honest, 19.5 miles per hour on that chunk run. And the Cardinals going into the season finale were number two in chunk runs in the NFL. So you don't think of a James Conner, right, as being that sort of back that's going to get you 20-plus yard runs, but he did it a lot. And so to your point, Craig, it's, it's credit to the O-line, getting him to the second level. He's able to break those arm tackles. And to Rob's point, he's more athletic than maybe we give him a credit for. He's able to accelerate, leave guys in the dust. But on the 29-yard touchdown run, I think it's worth citing and noting that I was told that that was the sixth or seventh time they had run that particular play. And I think they were really effective late in the season at – trying to probe a defense, all right, we're going to try the inside zone, maybe we'll go outside a little bit, a little gap scheme, the pin and pull, you know, we'll try a few different things. And then once they found something that worked, they repeated it over and over until the defense stopped it. And that was that was where they're going. And so then eventually they hit it for a 29-yard touchdown run. And to me, that's just an example of the football IQ with this coaching staff. They adjust to what they're seeing out on the field, and they eventually get to something that's effective and then they had the commitment to it until the opponent could stop it, and that proved really effective. And the commitment, even when you were down, trailing by two scores, you didn't get away from the run game, and that's something that always would happen with this Cardinals offense before this season. Philadelphia, you're down 21-6. You come back and win. Seattle, you're down 13-6 at the half. You come back, take the lead in the fourth quarter. You stuck with the run game. It's... It's not just a game plan, it's the DNA right now. And all those numbers just show the commitment to that run game and how effective they are. And then if they can go ahead and they can have a full season out of James Conner, if they can fill in a couple of those holes on the offensive line, uh, you know, I think they realize that's the quickest way to compete. You're not, Once again, you're not going to have the most talented roster, but you can go out there and bludgeon someone and then use a guy who, if he would have been healthy all year, probably would have been going to the Pro Bowl. And it does a couple other things. It it. It, number one, it, it gives the defense a little time to rest. When you, when you don't quit on the run game, it gives the defense a little time. And number two, it limits possessions. 
when you're able to ball control, when you're able to just keep that clock churning, it limits the possessions of your opponents. So, you know, the running game consistently helps the defense from a defensive guy over here. Led by James Conner, we've yet to hear from number six. Here is James Conner talking post-game after the Cardinals lost the Seahawks 21-20 about the example that Conner sets for everyone else. I think it's just something that comes with it, you know, when you handle your business day in and day out. And then, thankful it's my seventh year, you know, I'll be going into year eight next year, accepting every challenge that comes with it, you know, and always wanting to be a leader. And, uh, you know, eventually, you, you do this thing long enough, you play long enough in the league, that role just comes to you, you know, the guys start looking for how you did it for, you know, at a high level for a while. So it just comes with it. And I accept that challenge and responsibility. Very soft spoken off the field, at least among the media. But game day, Paul, you see it. He's oh. a different animal oh. yeah. before the game, during the game, as far as feeding everyone else that energy. I mean, he's stalking the sideline. He's mean mugging guys. Guys come up to him, they stare him down, he stares them back. I mean, he just sort of sets the tone. There's a reason why they weren't nearly the same offense, not nearly the same team during his four-game absence. And, and yeah, and you know what? During that interview there, he said he's a big fan of Fred Taylor, who at age 30 gained 1,000 yards. So you can see it in his mind. That's where he's aiming. He's going to turn 29 in May. James Conner leading the running game. How about Trey McBride leading that Cardinals tight end room? We'll discuss this offense more in depth as we continue the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats is next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And they're going to fake it, it looks like. Yep, they bring Murray back in. They got Prater lined up wide left. Murray takes the snap, back to throw, lobs right side to McBride, caught in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Tyler Murray on fourth down with Matt Prater and Gilligan, the punter, both lined up to the left. Throws to the right, McBride in the back of the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown. Let it ride, baby. Let it ride, says Jonathan Gannon. Trey McBride just runs up the seam into the end zone and Kyler Murray put it on him. Just a great call. Great play design, play execution. And by the way, Matt Prater, Blake Gillikin, their first offensive snaps in their career as the Cardinals went out of field goal formation into offensive formation, completely catching the Seahawks off guard. But Kyler never left the field, right? Didn't cross the numbers. That's That's the designation as far as whether you need to give the defense an opportunity to substitute. Some or not. So there you go. So Coach Double Rainbow is over there. He's squawking. He's uh, griping and grousing. But no, Cardinals followed the rules to the letter. And it was something that was in the playbook for five years. Uh, Jonathan Gannon said it had been up in particular the last few weeks. They finally got to it. And then we learned after the game that uh, Trey McBride wasn't the primary target. It was Greg Dortch who slipped and fell down. So Kyler had to find his his secondary man. He was a decoy. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Dor- so. Dortch the decoy. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That play in the third quarter, or I should say in the fourth quarter, made it 20-13 to 13 with the Cardinals in the lead of the Seahawks. We know how it played out. Cardinals lose to the Seahawks in Week 18, 21 to 20. But big picture there, Kyler Murray, as far as what he was able to do in that game, 262 passing yards, his second best completion percentage 
of the season and seeing Kyler Murray in a different offense than we've seen the first four years, Rob. And I know Ron Wolfley has made a big point of emphasis ever since Kyler got into the league, and that is under center. It took until year five, but we did see a lot more of K-1 under center, and it did, the offense overall, look vastly different. Yeah, it did. And, and, you know, look, if this offense is going to be run first, if that's really going to be the mantra and, and the philosophy, you have to get under center um, for a couple of things. It, it, it helps the running back, number one, get some downhill momentum. If you're, you're standing back in a shotgun and you hand it off sideways, um, it's hard to cram it vertical when you're running horizontal. Okay, And so um, that, that's what getting under center helps. It helps the running game. It, it gives the running back time to see the holes and, and to find the holes. And, and that patience, again, it, it gives them more time. Um, you know, and then uh, it just uh, it, it sets up so many things as far as play action. You, it's hard to do play action. It's not believable. You, you ask defensive guys, that it, when, a, when a quarterback's in the shotgun and he, he goes through some – uh, play action fake handoff and it, it's just not they're, they're not advancing towards the line of scrimmage they're not overly worried about the run game um, so they're not you know they're not uh, allowing that play action to develop but if you're under center and Kyler does as good a job as probably anyone I've seen since Peyton Manning in terms of hiding the football in the play action from under center um, that, that really fools the linebackers. And you watch film, the linebackers are way up into the line of scrimmage, and it really allows those play-action routes to develop on the second level. Remember what Michael Wilson told us right after the Seattle game, the season finale, the flea flicker doesn't work. If the Cardinals don't, A, have the run game, B, you know, the ability to go under center, to suck those linebackers up, that's why they're able to run a play like that. And to Rob's point about the play fake, and Kyler's ability to, to execute that and carry that out. My understanding is that uh, earlier this year, you know, it maybe wasn't quite to the coaches liking the way he was doing it, and they got on him. And they're like, look, you need to improve. You need to really carry out these fakes. When you're under center, you know, this is, it makes a difference. In a league where a completion, where a receiver is open by just a couple of inches, if you can get just that half second of hesitation out of a defender because you're carrying out the fake. So I think in the month of December and January, you really saw Kyler excel at that. And, uh, and it was beneficial, no doubt. Maybe just going through the motions early in the season because he wasn't asked to do it, didn't think it was that big a deal, but now he has seen, yeah, you carry out that fake, and all of a sudden that split second becomes maybe three quarters or a full second, and that can be all the difference between an incompletion, a completion, and a touchdown. He was under center 30 times against Seattle in Week 18. In his first four years in the league, he was under center combined less than 100 times, right? Correct. So think about that. Think about how many times he was under center in the final few games. It exceeded his entire NFL career at that point. And honestly, it exceeded my expectations. You know, when we thought, okay, Kyler under center. How many times we talk about, oh, geez, you know, Kyler, we know all us media guys. I'm thinking maybe 10, 15 times tops. And then by week 18, he's under center 30 times. That's a big change for him. 55 times over the past two games combined wow. for Kyler Murray under center, who spoke about being under center post game. It wasn't too difficult. 
had a lot of mental reps in the offseason. Uh, they, they prepared me very well, you know, for my time to come back. And so when I, when I came back, it was as seamless as possible. You know, I, I think for me, it was just about getting these reps in and, and going into the offseason, God willing, healthy. And, um, you know, like I said, getting, getting ready to roll, you know, next season. And that's key is Kyler Murray is healthy going into this offseason, a full offseason in which he doesn't have to rehab. He can work on his game. He can work with his pass catchers on that rhythm, that timing, which was lacking at times this season and noticeably lacking some of those miscommunications. Robbie pointed to that pick six in Philadelphia. That was a miscommunication between quarterback and wide receiver. I would expect to see less of that next season. Yeah, you're right. A, a full off season for Kyler Murray to spend time with these wide receivers with a new offense, new, relatively new for, for Kyler Murray. Um, you know, how much time is he going to spend with Michael Wilson and, and, um, yeah, and these receivers and, and really develop and, and, and build on what they have developed already? That's going to be so important. And I, and I you know, I'd I like to think, I have to think that um, Kyler's going to be the leader that he has been, and he's going to get these guys together. Um, you know, when, when they're not in anything organized, not in the organized mini camps, they're going to get together and they're going to, they're going to run routes. They're going to, they're going to develop a uh, rapport and understanding of, of where uh, they're going to be, where, what, uh, what the expectations are going to be. So um, that's, that's where teams grow together. That's where they build and bond. And so that, this, this is an important offseason for Kyler and the wide receiving group. Yeah. And Kyler's done that both here in the AZ and in Texas. Mm-hmm. He's brought guys out, and he's funded the whole thing to have them come out for a few days, and they do their own little passing camp, per se. And, you know, Michael Wilson, after the game, after the Seattle game, gave us an example of that chemistry and how it had developed. It was third and 11. It was that fade down the sideline, the back shoulder catch by Michael Wilson. And he said, we were getting, we broke the huddle and we realized, oh boy, Seattle's doing something totally different right now. They're going cover one, press across the board. And the play they had called was not advantageous. And Kyler looked at Michael Wilson and they exchanged a glance and a signal and they checked into that. They checked into that because he was getting pressed man. He was able to get down and create some separation one-on-one and then at six foot two, make that sort of catch. So Kyler was smart enough, A, I'm going to target a bigger, bigger receiver in this situation, and then B, but we had the non-verbal communication that enabled that play to be successful. And that's in season. That's just eight games worth of working together. So going into this offseason, going into next season, the expectations are certainly going to be there. But exceeding expectations this season, head coach Jonathan Gannon, first time working with Kyler Murray. He knows you're the franchise quarterback. He's a big-time leader of this team. I won't tell you all the conversations we have, but he knows he's the closest thing to me out there. So I want him to operate in a certain way, and he's uh, went above my expectation for what that looks like. And I think he's only continued to get better, and we got to get better together, and um, he will. From day one, Gannon has made it clear that Kyler Murray was his guy. Now, I think a lot of us needed to see that, and we did see it for eight games. And Gannon, again, going back to his end-of-season press conference on Monday, Gannon very confident in his franchise quarterback. I really think sky's the limit. I think that he can hit another level. I know our team can. I know the offense can. Yeah, I mean, with that guy playing quarterback for us, I know we can win every game. Quarterback gives you a chance, Paul. You don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Look at Houston this year. Look at C.J. Stroud. Look what he did for that team. Are you kidding me? 
they actually had more injuries, I think, than the Cardinals this year. They don't have the most talented roster, not even close. But C.J. Stroud was able to excel from the pocket. They got a downfield passing game. And I think those were big questions about Kyler for a new coaching staff. The downfield passing game was not there a year ago, not even close. He was dead last in a lot of those analytics and metrics. So could you actually have a quarterback who could win from the pocket but stress out a defense with his legs when needed? And utilize that tight end. By the way, Trey McBride finished tied for fifth in the NFL in receptions among tight ends, seventh in receiving yards. And that's not being the starter the entire season. He was behind Zach Ertz for much of 2023. Again, good things on the horizon for this Cardinals offense. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. I think he's relatable to everybody. Not only that, but just the attention to detail. And I've said that you know a million times, but his attention to detail is amazing. He could break it down for somebody that's never played football in their life, you know. So it makes it easy on not only me but everybody else. That's we're all trying to be on the same accord, you know. So um, in this game, if one person's off, it can mess the whole thing up. So uh, he coaches it well, you know, to the point where there's really no gray area around it, you know. And if there is, then you get a fig. High praise there from Kyler Murray talking about Drew Petzing, the Cardinals' first-year offensive coordinator. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals' Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rielu, Paul Calvisi, and Rob Fredrickson. And we forget at times, yeah, first-year head coach, but first-year coordinators as well. Petzing on offense, Nick Rollis on defense. Gannon was asked on Monday about that and the fact that he had two first-year coordinators, did very, very well all season long. Their competitive stamina, the way that I want to play, it's hard week in and week out to do that. I found it challenging for myself, you know, and every week they took a shot at it, you know what I mean, and, and were creative and took a critical eye at everything and what, what I asked them to do when they put together the plans, and the staff's involved in that. But those guys are, you know, obviously running the show honestly in a little bit of awe you know what I mean that they didn't run out of gas now the question becomes maybe not this offseason but in off seasons to come can you retain a Drew Petzing a Nick mm. Rollis do other teams start calling and Gannon did mention that his phone has been ringing now was it for the coordinators or some position coaches but you're happy for those coaches individually but it does hurt the the, the staff overall. And you know what? I don't know who had the higher degree of difficulty. I mean, you have uh, Drew Petzing, who had four quarterbacks, basically. You start with Colt McCoy. Then you got Josh Dobbs less than two weeks before the opener. No preseason snaps whatsoever. No camp snaps. You had Clayton Toon for a game. Then you get Kyler Murray back and cold off, you know, no real game action. So that was tough. And then Nick Rollis on defense, 17 games, 17 different starting lineups because of all the injuries, especially along your defensive line, and then you ended up with a third quarterback of your defense, middle linebacker, so that was tough on both sides. The three starting defensive linemen in Week 18 were not even on the roster yeah. <laughs> wow. to begin the season, Rob. Wow. That's, that's, how, that's how in flux the defensive line was and what Nick Rollis had to overcome, and it wasn't a great defense, but – I think at times they played very well and allowed that offense to get back into ballgames. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that it was the defense for most of the season that that kept this team treading water, kept kept this team alive in, in a lot of games and, and allowed this, this team to, to be competitive in those games. So 
Um, you know, I, I know recently, the last few weeks, it's been the offense that's kind of taken center stage, and, and rightfully so. But, um, you know, Nick Rollis has done an amazing job, and I think Drew Petzing has, has done a really good job this year. Just look at what the Seahawks were able to do, Paul. They get the win, yet Geno Smith under 190 passing yards. DK Metcalf, one catch for yeah. 10 yards. Tyler Lockett had two catches. Of course, one was a touchdown. But the stars on that Seahawks offense didn't do a whole heck of a lot. And you had one sack as a defense in the last six games. Yeah. You do not have that marquee pass rusher or game-wrecking defensive tackle. So now both coordinators know what they have and what they need. And think of all the question marks they had. They, they had 100 guys out there at one point, right, last offseason. Like, man, who are these guys? Can I trust these guys? What do they bring? So it was a process, once again, a 2023 dip for a 2024 rip as you have learned this team. And I'd like to give special props today to our own Rob Fredrickson for just showing up. As a Michigan State guy, after watching the U of M win the national champion, I really fully expected that Rob would take a mental health day, and he didn't. He showed up for work, and uh, we give him kudos. Waited until the end of the show for that one there, Rob. Yeah. yeah. Well, his boy Aaron Rodgers from Cal is uh, (laughs) making a fool of himself. He's not really representing the (laughs) Golden Bears very well at this point. Not that we, something we don't need. Berkeley already has a rep. We don't need Aaron <laughs> Rodgers furthering it. Hail to the victors there, Rob. Special oh, thanks behind oh, the scenes. Go green. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Ali Narini for Paul Calvisi, Rob Fredrickson. I'm Craig Riolu. We will talk to you in one week's time. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 